Air um, today, and we're continuing on our uh, focus on a Christmas theme. And what we've been um, doing is taking some of the uh, popular Christmas uh, hymns and carols, traditional ones that we sort of sing year after year, and we're wondering, we're taking them and we're seeing what can we um, uh, get out of these songs that would actually connect us to a greater understanding of the scripture, the story of Jesus, and how that applies to our life, right? Every good Christian song, every good Christian uh, hymn will uh, have some scripture behind it, and the story of Jesus behind it, and so... Um, yeah, that's what we're that's what we're doing today. And and you heard the the words there of O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep. The silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And so, the big question of my message today is why are we singing about Bethlehem? Okay, that's really. Uh, what, what it, why is this song um, about Bethlehem important? And what, what was this little town of Bethlehem all about? And so the easy answer to that is, well, Jesus was born there, right? We, many of us know that, but um, we're going to look a bit deeper into the story that we get out of Matthew 2 that relates to Bethlehem. And so before we do that, I want to pray and, um, yeah, we'll just uh, invite God to speak to us today. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word I want to thank you for this moment that we can come to you, and um, we thank you that you're uh, here with us as we've been singing. You're Emmanuel. You're here with us. Your presence is, is here, and, we, and I ask today, God, as we look at this story, that you'd speak to us about our lives. You'd um, help us to hear your truth. You'd help us to connect with you in a way that is... Um, uh, you know, uh, unusual, I suppose, that you'd speak to us in, in a fresh way today, God. And so we ask for that in your precious name. Amen. So why this little town of Bethlehem? What's so important about it? Why do we, why do we sing a song about it? And yes, of course, Jesus was born there. Many of us know that. But as I said, we're going to open up to Matthew 2. We're going to read the story of these, these uh, three wise men, the Magi, I think that's how you say it. Anyone want to correct me on that? Magi, Magi noodles, I don't know. Um, they, come from the, they come from the east and they come to visit um, the one who has been born the king of the Jews. They already know that upon their arrival, right? They come to visit the one who's been born king of the Jews. I think it's hard for us, I was reflecting, it's hard for us to read stories like this in the Gospels especially Matthew's gospel, and fully grasp the significance of what's been put together there for us, right? Particularly Matthew's gospel is written to Jewish people, okay? And so we're kind of a little bit removed from the message just in that, you know? That's, and and I, 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 as I study it and I see that it's written for Jewish people, I feel a bit like left out, like, oh man, I didn't quite grasp how exciting this message would have been that Matthew's writing here in chapter two of his gospel. And so... It's really put together in such a way that if you're a first century Jew and you're reading the events of these, these magi from the east coming um, to uh, Jerusalem to honor the king, uh, you know, if you're a first century Jew, this would have been a bit mind-blowing, you know? This would have been like, wow, this is amazing. This Jesus born in Bethlehem, 
the one that we sing about every year, he's being presented as the long-awaited Messiah, right? He's being presented as the king of the Jews, the one that, um, you know, for the Jewish people, their hopes and fears of all the years are being met in thee tonight, being met in Jesus, this, this baby being born in Bethlehem. And so the significance of this story, I feel, is kind of lost on us just a little bit in that, you know, that we're not Jewish, we're not first century people, we don't really get that context that well. But at the same time, when we read this story of a saviour who's come, and, and fair enough, they're writing a saviour coming for the Jewish people, um, we now know he's a saviour for the whole world. And, and as I read this story, I get excited about that idea because, you know, the Jewish people in Jesus' day, they were in a tough situation. They were feeling oppressed many, much of the time. And um, the idea of their Messiah coming to save them was an awesome idea. And for us, for me, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, the, the day and age we're in now is pretty interesting. There's a lot of stuff that I think we could um, have some saving from, if you like. To put it that way, you know, we, we need a saviour now just as much as the first century Jews did then, and um, not to mention our sin, our rebellion from God, um, all of these things that we're experiencing in the world around us, we need a saviour. And so I hope that we can kind of uh, come to the passage with that, um, that feeling today. So let's start reading through the story, Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And so most scholars agree that the Magi from the east had traveled out of Arabia, right? And that's important because of the gifts that they bring, and it's important because of something we'll talk about a little later. And no doubt they practiced some sort of astrology or religion, and it's amazing that God spoke to them through that to bring honor to his son Jesus. He's not condoning that. He's, uh, sorry, he's not saying, you know, astrology is fine for us to practice, but he's, it's amazing that God uses that to bring these people to his son to worship him. These men were likely um, from some sort of royal uh, caste in Arabia, and, and somehow they received revelation of this king who's been born to be the king of the Jews. And, um, and so, as was the normal practice throughout the scriptures, you can see it, royalty pays homage to royalty, right? There's many meetings of kings and queens coming together to, to pay homage, and if one was more royal than the other. There'd be gifts given either way, and this sort of thing was very normal practice. And so we, this is what we're seeing um, in this story, right? Royalty paying homage to royalty, and they figure um, they ought to go to the place that would be fit for the king of the Jews to be born. And so naturally, if you lived in the east in those days, you think, okay, Jewish people, Jerusalem, that's kind of the center of their thing. That's where their temple is. Let's go there. And so they go there. And they probably weren't expecting to be kind of some of the first people who were announcing the fact that the king of the Jews has been born and we're here to, here to pay homage. But upon their arrival, and they, they go to King Herod, who's this Gentile king, looking over Jerusalem and the Jewish people, and, and they sort of go, hey, we've come to um, pay homage to the king. Where, where's the king at? You know, <laughs> this is their, their, their feeling. And they're surprised to see that King Herod is 
a bit um, disgruntled, <laughs> you know? He, he, he's a bit concerned. They're surprised by that. What do you mean a new king of the Jews has been born? I'm the king, right? This is, there can't be, there can't be two kings. What's, what do you mean? What kind of message is this? It says in verse three, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him, right? Where there's two kings, there's conflict, right? And there can't be two kings over one group of people or one place. When he had called together all the people's chief priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. And they quote out of Micah. It's really a summary of Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 4, I think it is. <clears throat> but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He wants to know how old is this, this king of the Jews now? You know, how much time do I have on my hands? He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. <laughs> right? He's not going to worship him. King Herod gathers together the experts in the Hebrew Scriptures. Right? He's like, okay, I better consult with the, with the pros. What does the Bible say about where the Messiah is to be born? And the unanimous answer is in Bethlehem, a little town of Bethlehem, of course. And the summary of the prophet Micah is their way of saying, here's the proof. Right? Micah says it. They probably could have looked at other places, um, but it was well known in that day. This is where the Messiah is to be born, in Bethlehem. Bethlehem's the, the hometown of King David. Right, which is important to the Jewish people. He's, King David was the one that, that God said to him, um, you know, uh, from your family line will be all the kings of my people in their future. You know what I mean? So this is all part of the narrative that's being built. It says, there will come a ruler who will shepherd God's people. And, and the idea of a shepherd is important too because when King David was anointed, he was about 30 years old, he was anointed as king over Israel um, in 2 Samuel chapter 5. And one of the things that's highlighted as he's, as he's anointed king is that God told him he would shepherd his people Israel, right? So the Jewish people know all of this stuff and it's kind of coming together. You know, this is an announcement of, hey, the king is here. The real king is here. And so this prefigures Jesus also. Now, King Herod, he doesn't want anyone to compete with. And so... Um, uh, you know, he knows that he wants to be king over the Jewish people in Jerusalem. He says, let me know where this baby is. I'm going to go and worship him too. And he actually just wants to, wants to kill this baby, right? He wants to get rid of this child. I'm not going to have any of that in my kingdom. He wants to last a little longer as king. And so King Herod at this point probably would have preferred for that star to rise over his house, for the Magi to come from the east and pay homage to him as king of Jerusalem and over the Jews, but instead they're sort of saying, we've got some gifts, we want to know where the real king is, right? You can see how that would have made him feel. Verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Again, God's leading people 
with the language that they know, which is pretty, pretty fascinating to me. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Right, so all of these scriptures we've heard, Isaiah 60, Psalm 72, which I read, people from other nations, from um, you know, sea to sea, coming to pay homage, pay tribute, um, to worship the king. This is what we're seeing happen here. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So amazingly, God communicates with these pagan Gentiles through astrology and dreams, first about the announcement of, of, of the arrival of the king of the Jews, second to bring them um, to the place where he is, that they'd bow down and worship him, right? And then to protect Jesus by warning them not to go back to Herod, right? It's pretty, pretty fascinating stuff to me. And as I was doing my study on this story, this is not the first time um, that royalty from the east has come to pay homage to a son of David, right? In the Old Testament, and um, I've talked about this before, but stories from the Old Testament prefigured Jesus just so much. We put our Jesus goggles on and we can just see him all the way through. And so in 1 Kings, who is it that comes to visit uh, King Solomon? Can anyone remember? Uh, Queen of Sheba. Right, Sheba was a place in Arabia where these magi have come from as well, and she comes to pay homage to King Solomon, a son of David, a guy ruling over God's people. It's pretty fascinating. And so she comes with gifts as well, a great caravan of spices and leaves like four tons of gold with him and all of this stuff too. I want to read it to you. It says, when the queen, this is in 1 Kings chapter 10, sorry. It says, when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan, with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. He's a pretty wise guy. We know that of Solomon. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed, right? Royalty, paying homage to royalty. She's just overwhelmed by, by who this Solomon is. She said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth, you have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold, which I think in my study Bible it says about, it's about four tons or more of gold. Large quantities of spices and precious stones. Never again were so many spices brought in as those 
the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. So while this story is set many centuries before Jesus' day, the first century Jews of Jesus' day might have been thinking of this story when they heard about royalty from the east who'd come to pay homage to a son of David, born in Bethlehem, worshipping the king of the Jews. And uh, we have to remember stories like this are like signposts, you know, to, to Jesus as we read through the Old Testament. He's the saviour, not just to the Jewish people, but of the whole world. <clears throat> you know, um, I wonder if you can remember what it was like when you first saw Jesus as your king. You know, maybe you'd heard stories, maybe your parents had brought you up in the church. I wonder if you can remember what it was like to, um, you know, maybe have an experience like the Queen of Sheba had. You know, we didn't, we didn't get to see a fancy temple with a king on his throne and everyone tending to him. But in a sense, this is who Jesus is. He's king. You know, this baby born in the little town of Bethlehem, he's the son of David. He's the one that God has appointed, sent to earth to be our king too. And I wonder if you can remember your first experience of him. I wonder if you can think back to the, the time where you thought, wow, this far exceeds, um, you know, my expectations of how great he is. I wonder if you can remember that. I wonder what feelings it uh, put in your heart and in your mind. I wonder if you ever had a feeling of, man, I just want to give everything to this guy. Did you ever have a feeling like that? <laughs> Did you ever have a feeling of, wow, look at this guy, look at this king. He's king of my life. I want to give everything to him. <clears throat> this little baby born in Bethlehem ends up giving his life for us. You know, this one worthy of all the splendor of Solomon, you know, this one worthy of all the gifts that could be given to him and more, this one who really deserves to be just seated on a throne in majesty, he decides to come to earth and to offer himself as a gift for us, when really he's the one deserving of all gifts that we could ever give to him. When we think of these stories, um, we're being asked a question about what our response will be as we reflect on Jesus as our king, and not just our king who's deserving of all praise and honor and, and worship and glory and every little bit of our lives that we could potentially offer him, but the one who gave himself for us. You know, it's like, it'd be un, unheard of to think of like someone with the splendor of King Solomon to get off his throne and just die for his people, right? It would have been unheard of. But that's what Jesus did. He came down from the throne of heaven. He came down from the right hand of the Father and he went to, went to earth, born in a, a humble home, you know, in Bethlehem and has given his life for us on the cross. And so as we celebrate his birth this Christmas, you know, um, what are we gonna be able to find in our lives to honor him with? You know, maybe we don't have gold. We don't have four tons of gold lying around somewhere. Maybe we don't have frankincense and myrrh and fancy stones and spices and it's probably not very useful anyway these days as a gift to God, but whatever, what do you think you could give to him? 
Sometimes um, it is good just to, just to worship him, just to turn on some worship music, you know, throughout the week or take time aside to read your Bible and just say, this is my gift to you, God. This is what I can bring to you today. I just want to honor you with my time. Maybe it's a gift that you could give to others, like, like St. Nick. You know, you could see people in your life that you go, man, I could really give to them and, and honor them. You know, and in doing that, you could be honoring Jesus and his gift of his life and his sacrifice on the cross. <clears throat> in Romans 12, I want to finish with um, what it says in the message version out of Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. He's talking about, you know, in light of Jesus' sacrifice, in light of the king's sacrifice for us, what, what's our response of worship, what's our response if we were to come to him and just honor him and give him, give him what he deserves? Paul actually talks about that and he, this is what he says. He says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Kind of like the Magi just weren't even interested in King Herod, you know, the culture of the day. This ruler who probably deserved, you know, at least culturally a little bit of homage paid to him, but no, they didn't even care. They weren't looking to that. It says, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I think this is our true and proper worship, is to consider what God has given to us and in turn take our everyday life you know, our sleeping, our eating, our going to work, our walking around life, our relationships, our home, our, um, you know, everything that we do, our friendships, and just to give it to God as a sacrifice. You know, lay it at his feet and say, here you go, this is the best I can do. So I wonder, what is God asking you to give? You know, <laughs> as you've gotten a picture today of King Jesus, born in Bethlehem, what would your response be if you were going to go to his house, knock on the door, and maybe Joseph would be there, open the door for you, come inside, here he is, what would you give to him? What gift would you honor him with? How would you be able to say, this is the best that I could give to you, Jesus? Let's pray, let's ask God to lead us in that this week. Um, we're going to stand and sing a little town of Bethlehem again in a moment, but yeah, I want to pray and I want to invite you to consider what is your gift going to be this Christmas? You know, we're giving a lot of gifts to all different people, family, friends, but what's the gift we're going to give to Jesus? What can we lay at his feet you know, as a way of honoring him as king? Heavenly Father, thank you for these stories. Thank you that, um, you know, you came for the whole world. You came for every person. We thank you for the story of King Solomon, you know, prefiguring you and really your, your worth and your value, you know, and it would have far exceeded that. 
I believe it says in Luke's gospel that someone greater than Solomon is here. It's Jesus. You know, and so as you establish your kingdom here, God, on our earth, um, in our lives, I pray that you'd be able to Help us to understand what's an appropriate gift that we can give to you, to others this Christmas. Help us to respond in kind of the gift that you gave, that we be able to offer our lives as a sacrifice to you, um, our everyday life. Of course, we all have responsibilities, things we have to continue to do day in and day out, but help us to um, think of the thing. Help us to uh, respond well today as our gift to you, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.